Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 87. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today we have the Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt, Ricardo Tubbs. Ricardo is the owner and instructor at the Firma Training Center, as well as the Firma Kimono Company. Ricardo did a great job breaking down of the 13 leadership principles from Colin Powell's book, It Worked For Me. He also talked about the importance of preparation. My takeaway from the interview came when he spoke of giving back to the community, which inspired me to title this episode, Do You Give to Your Community? Stick around for my final thoughts after the interview when I expand on this topic. Stay tuned right after Jiu-Jitsu Tribe's message. Woos. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Jiu-Jitsu Tribe, formerly Live Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu Tribe supports social projects who offer free Jiu-Jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to pay for their monthly expenses and facility makeovers. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coach donate all the profit of all online courses and merchandise to Jiu-Jitsu Tribe. For more information, please visit www.jujitsutribe.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Ricardo Tubbs. Ricardo is a black belt under Ricardo Cavalcanti. He is an active duty Navy Mustang officer with over 20 years of military service and holds a master's degree in public health from Old Dominion University. He's the owner and instructor at the Firma Training Center, as well as the Firma Kimono Company. Ricardo, welcome to the podcast. Gustavo, thank you very much for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Yes, sir. We had a chance to connect a few weeks ago. We were recording this in January 2020. We were at Bruno Bastos uh, graduation and grand opening and fundraising seminar. So we had a chance to connect. So it was really cool. Great seminar, too. Thank you so much for putting that one on. Yes, sir. So tell us how martial arts got into your life, or more specifically, jiu-jitsu. Uh, jiu-jitsu got into my life years ago. I had a, I had a military-related incident where I, <laughs> I almost lost my foot, but thankfully I still have it. Uh, but for a long time, I, I couldn't run. Um, and so I met this guy. Um, I, I would hope that people would know who he is. His name is Bosch Rutten. Um, he was a king of pancreas, MMA fighter, fought in the UFC. Uh, but he really integrated uh, late, I would probably say maybe late to his career as a kickboxer. And then he integrated grappling into his career. And I had a chance to meet him at this, um, at this Aloha Muscle and Fitness Extravaganza that we put on in Hawaii that I was part of. Uh, at the time, I was big into like doing powerlifting and things like that. Um, so I met him and he just kind of needed like a, basically needed like a, he needed a nuki. Uh, he was showing something. And then I was like, was totally flabbergasted by what he was doing on the ground. I wasn't a huge, huge MMA fan at the time, but I, of course I liked MMA. 
uh, but I wasn't a huge MMA fan at the time. And the funny thing was, Boss Rudin is teaching me this grappling, which of course is jujitsu. And there's this other guy standing not too far away from us by the name of Hoyler Gracie, <laughs> of which at the time I didn't really, I knew who Hoyler was, but you know, obviously he's, he's Hoyler Gracie. He was, you know, big name at the time. He was fighting in pride and so forth and so on and winning ADCC championships. Um, so that's how I first started really learning, really, really getting into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And then, of course, uh, in the military, we move around a lot. Uh, went to San Diego, trained in San Diego. Uh, I took a little bit of time off because I, I was stationed in Italy. Still trying to do something in Italy, but it's kind of, there wasn't really a lot. I was stationed in Italy on a ship. Wasn't really a lot to do. I came back here, um, started training again, and I've, I've never stopped training. Basically, I've been at this since 2001. Uh, and um, and I, I, I couldn't think of anything. I, I can't imagine a day without training. So um, I started training with Master Ricardo. Um, and I, was, I, I feel like I've been really lucky because I've been able to train under some really, really phenomenal instructors. I trained under, obviously, under Master Ricardo Kamakanchi. I trained under Dracolino uh, while I was in Texas. Um, uh, I trained with a guy named Marcelo Elkintar. A lot of people don't might not know who he is, but he's also phenomenal. Um, and uh, Alan Murillo and uh, Jean Dalua Cartagena, uh, Andre Montero. Spoiled, right? <laughs> in the training under all these great guys. Of course, there's a lot of people. There's a lot to be said for training under one instructor for your entire career. Uh, but I feel like my, my access to all these people kind of molded who I am and each one of them kind of brought something different, not only to my game, but also to like my ability to be a school owner. I learned a lot from each of them. So I think that that, uh, that has helped me a lot. So how do you feel jiu-jitsu relates to life? Um, well, I mean, I think that Every day, no matter what you do, uh, you're going to face some kind of adversity, right? So if, if you have a bad day at work, you have a bad day at home, you go to jiu-jitsu, uh, you, can, you can relieve that stress. But it really does teach you how to deal with adversity. Not everything in life is ever going to be comfortable, right? And so in my career in the Navy, um, I'm a lieutenant commander in the Navy, um, uh, but and, and I've had lots of deployments. I've had combat deployments. And, and things are not always the way we plan them out to be, right? And so you kind of always have to be thinking on your feet. And I, I feel like you always, in jiu-jitsu, once you start getting good, we, we start out and we all learn a bunch of fundamental moves, right? We build our foundation. And it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And we can move around and move around. Um, and then we start thinking steps ahead, well, for me and my professional job in the Navy, I always have to think steps ahead. I always have to have a plan. I always have to think on my feet. And I think that that mind-body connection that you build in jiu-jitsu directly translates into, into your, your life and everything that you do. So hey, maybe that might not be how everybody else sees it, but for me, it works, you know, and, and it helps me out a lot. So as far as your business, what came first? Uh, the the kimono company or the academy or both? Uh, the kimono company came first. So 
Um, and, the that was, and that was kind of like the, the question of like, what gave you the spark? Like, hey, why I'm going to start this? Uh, you know what? I started, I started, um, obviously I started you too. And uh, you met me. I'm kind of short, thick. I'm still kind of built the way I was when I played football. Um, and it was always hard for me to find a gi that fit well. And not only was it hard, to, when I did find a gi that fit well, they were like $200. I was like, there's got to be a way to make a high quality gi that fits different people um, uh, where they don't have to spend $200. Like those $200 gis were phenomenal gis. Um, um, but the other problem was um, I knew a lot of people who had gis that didn't fit them well, you know. And I feel like, you know, if you're going to train, you should be comfortable. So anyway, um, while I was on one of my tours, uh, we had an incident that happened, and the way I just tell people is the incident happened. I didn't die, and uh, I could have. Uh, and I, I, in my head, I said, you know what? If, if I'm going to start this, the day I get back, we're going to start this. And so I did. Uh, as soon as I came back, I put all my ideas together. I started with one gi. I, I ordered one gi. Uh, just a, and, and so I knew how to make... Um, patterns because when I was a kid, my father owned a clothing factory. Uh, so I used to cut patterns and I, I just learned, you know, from, from my family. Of course, that, that company went out of business. Everything went overseas. It happens. Uh, but <clears throat> but I, I learned and I still had the passion to do that. So I figured, you know, why not make my family proud and do something that was in the family? Long story short, all these years later, we have uh, 54 different sizes, right? 54 different mm -hmm. sizes for men, women, and kids. So for like women and men, we have long, tall, short. I have the M size, like which is like the, the middle size where one size is not this, one size is not that. So there's a gi that should fit everybody. Uh, and I, I like, I really pride myself in trying to uh, provide good customer service. We're not always perfect. I mean, we do provide the best customer service, I believe. Uh, but sometimes when we're like making a one-off custom gi, it gets hard. Like we have to make like three or four ones. But sometimes what happens is when somebody calls me and they're like, I'm 6'3 and I'm 425 pounds. What do you have to fit me? I'm like, I don't have anything to fit mm -hmm. you. But I'll make you something that fits you because I think if somebody's going to train jujitsu, they should be comfortable while they're training. Uh, and, and so what happens is when we have like, or the, the adult woman who's, you know, she's four foot 10 and she weighs 96 pounds and a kid's gi just doesn't fit her right. Well, I make you a gi that fits you. And that's like our F double zero size. So we have sizes. Most of our sizes have come about because of people asking us for them. So I figure if one person has something, needs it, then we'll, we'll make it part of the lineup. Right on. And I know that sometimes starting a business can come with some fears, downs. I'm not sure if you're going to do it. So I want to kind of go back to how was the mindset when you started? It said like one gi is fine, but when and then you start to kind of step it up and invest more, sure. gets a little, you know, the fear kicks in. So how did you deal with it? And how was that time? You know, what's funny is um, starting this company, um, I had no fear. Uh, because of what I told you happened. I said, you know what, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it. And if I invest a little bit of money, uh, I think you have to go into any business 
knowing that it's going to cost you money to start the business, right? Uh, it's going to cost you money to develop what you need. Like, so when we were developing our women's geese, we went together with actually somebody who came out to be, here's a funny story. She uh, was our first sponsored athlete. Her name is Alana Ricky. Um, and uh, she helped me get women together of different sizes. And we just started making geese. We started getting sizes from people. We listened to what people's complaints were, what people wanted to do. And it took us a while to develop our formula for the women's geese. Uh, and now the funny thing is, is uh, Lana is now one of my instructors at my academy. Mm. All these years later, since we started, she's a black belt. Uh, and uh, she's, she's, she teaches our morning classes. And um, she's awesome to have at the academy too. So, so, but that's how we developed that. And then we developed, we obviously we continued to develop the men's sizes. And I, I purposely like, um, use my own patterns, uh, which was hard. That was probably the hardest part because I sent my patterns out to different people, told them how I wanted them to be made. And some companies did what they thought I needed. And I got back samples that were terrible. I mean, I, you remember that scene, like uh, the Michael Jackson thriller uh, video, where the zombies walking and his arm falls off. Yeah. Well, I had an arm actually fall off of one of the sample keys that I had made. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what it reminded me of. But so that time, that takes time, right? And then, of course, as you get a couple of sizes that are good, you sell some geese, you reinvest money back into the company. And that's what we did. We just, we never tried to get too big for our britches. We're still not too big for our britches. But I think we make a really high quality product. And people who buy them like them, you know. Uh, I think, like I said, I think one of the hardest things is for people to get a gi that fits them. And uh, it's really hard to keep 54 sizes in stock. You know, Imagine. it's very hard. It's, it is very hard, but you, you kind of figure out what your niche sizes are. And then your kind of normal sizes and you keep a little bit more or less. But uh, I do get people who get mad at me because I don't have the... Uh, I don't have the F double zero extra long or, or the eight MS, you know, gi in stock, but I'll make it for them. If they're just willing to wait a little bit, I'll, I'll make it. For them, so. Cool. So you just mentioned one kind of struggle in business that you said, you know, like trying to figure out, uh, you know, the right manufacturer and everything. Mm -hmm. So what would you say it's some of the biggest struggles that you have maybe besides that and running a business and you can say from, the geek company or the academy, whatever you want to share, and what did you learn from that struggle? Um, you know, I think one of the struggles with so, and I think one of the things that you always have to do in any business or any like, uh, so obviously, I told you in the military, as a leader, you can never be stuck in one rut. Like, the one of those things that we that I hate to hear is, well, that's the way we've always done it, right? That's the way we've always done it is probably the most limiting saying you'll ever hear in any business, any management, anything that you're doing, right? Because there's always an opportunity to improve. And if you're always thinking that's the way we've always done it, we're going to leave it this way. You're never going to grow. You're never going to improve. So same thing with the gee company. Um, I, I developed a fabric um, instead of just buying fabric off of the shelf. I took the time and had the fabric textile the way that I wanted, you know, uh, with, with, so we make two different types of geese. We have like a, what I call like the right weight, which I, 
is the weight that I like to wear. And then we, of course, we had people always asking us for lightweight gis. So we made an extremely lightweight gi because people ask for it. We just listen to people and find out what they want. That's what we made. So um, you always have to continuously work to improve. And that's, that's what we try to do, I mean, every year. So, uh, and I think we've changed so much since we, since we first started the company. And it's the same struggle with the, with the academy. Okay. And we we're talking earlier uh, before we start recording about what would be something you'd like to share with the, the listeners, because we have people who are experienced entrepreneurs or people who are just starting people in transition, thinking about changing. And then I always try to get like suggestions from people who've been around for a long time. And I'd love to share with me your point of view, what you would like to share with them that I thought was super interesting. Well, I think that a lot of businesses start out, and like we discussed, the first thing they think is, I'm going to be a millionaire, right? I'm going to make a million dollars. I'm going to be rich. And like, if you're an average person like me, starting out like a small company, that can be kind of, that can be... You should want to, if you're starting a business, you should want to be successful. But one of the things that I think that a lot of businesses forget about is giving back. Right? You have to figure out your balance of how you're going to give back to your community, uh, whether it's the jiu-jitsu community or just your community at large. Uh, and so for me, um, a big part of my business, as long as I've been in business, has been giving back. Uh, I almost never tell anybody about the stuff that we do. Uh, the people who know that we take care of uh, know what we do. So I shared with you when we, when we were at Bruno's, one of the projects that we had in Fortaleza uh, where we helped rebuild the Action in Reaction School where there's actually toilets and new mats and, and kids can train safely. Um, and, but one of the things that I, I'm, I'm gonna be a veteran here pretty soon, I retire this year from the Navy. Um, I want to do something that gives back. We're looking at building a particular type of business where we can get veterans off the street, give them jobs uh, in careers, not just jobs, careers, where I can teach them how to uh, build their own businesses by working in our business, uh, whether they stick with the same business that we do or they move on to another business, they get the, the necessary KSAs, right? The knowledge, skills, and aptitudes to be able to go on and be successful. Uh, if I can give back and help my community in any way, uh, and, and this is my community, uh, that's what we're going to do. So I think it's very important to have some, some type of giving back as part of your business plan. And I, I don't always think that every business uh, that starts uh, has it as part of their business plan. So that's one of the things that I, I think that um, I always tell people I have to sleep at night. Mm -hmm. And if I can, if I can go to bed knowing that I help somebody in some way, in my business or what I do, or as an instructor, uh, that sure as heck helps me sleep. At night. Yeah. I always suggest to people to, even if, if they're business owners or not, but have maybe an organization that they connect, that they love their mission to help out. Even if it's man, not much, like a, a little bit, you know, I, um, for people who are listening, maybe some people are listening for the first time. So I'll always mention, I don't like to be so repetitive, but I co-founded this nonprofit that helps social projects. And most of them end up being Brazil because there's not that many here. 
but I do help other things. For example, a, a great organization that I support is Charity Water, which is an incredible organization. I read the book to Thirst, which is awesome. I forgot the name of the, totally forgot right now the name of the author, but I follow their work for a while and it's only $30. You know, maybe it's not like, oh, $30, but, but as far as helping, supporting families in Africa or uh, Central America and then the, all the incredible work they do in about building wells and, and so forth and bringing water to them, man, that $30 goes along the long way, especially when it's a lot of people do. And so $30, yeah, no problem. Just for that organization. Of course, I, I end up put, dumping a lot of the money into the organization I co-founded. But that's a, a work that when I got to know more about it and I read the book, I'm like, man, this is incredible. Yeah. And it's $30. It's not going to be like the end of the world. So it's maybe donating. If you say, Gustavo, I have, man, I'm broke. I don't know, maybe donate your time, you know, for a but little bit. It's funny that you mentioned that because, um, so my prior job in the Navy, before I became an officer, I was a, was a chief, I was an independent duty corpsman, uh, which is, people would probably think of it as like a medic in the army, but uh, it was a higher level, um, much more responsibility than just your average medic, uh, more like a independent duty med tech, I think is what they call it. Yeah, in the Air Force, more uh, very close to like a, well, I'll, I'll leave that for another time. But but uh, then I became um, an environmental health officer, which is a public health officer, and my job is to stop people from getting sick. And clean water is one of the biggest things that we do. Um, you know, people people get sick from food and water pretty quickly. So uh, organizations like there's, uh, I know there's a lot of them out there. Uh, we've had my colleagues have gone into different villages and we built water treatment plants where there were no water treatment plants. And you'd be surprised how easy it is to treat water, at least to remove parasites, slow, slow sand filtration. Uh, it can't remove toxins, but it can remove parasites. Parasites get you sick really quick. Um, you know, and so things like that were just like you said, giving back your time. Uh, I teach. I teach law enforcement whenever I can. I opened up my academy for, I've opened up my academy for women's wrestling groups, like for children's women's wrestling groups so they could have somewhere to train. We're doing a big Invictus training at our academy. I'm not charging them anything for it. Um, anything we can do. So um, we talked about this before too. I, I also run a, um, an organization called KB1 Foundation. Uh, unfortunately, a few years ago, a very good friend of mine uh, named Kevin took his own life, uh, and it was it was devastating for many of us because Kevin uh, was 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 the picture of warrior. He was big, strong. Uh, we were we were uh, independent duty corpsmen. We deployed with SEALs. We deployed with Marines. We we were in there. We did what we needed to do. And unfortunately, whatever demons uh, took over Kevin's life. So I decided that I would start an organization called the KB1 Foundation that all we do is it's very simple. I instead of just creating, quote unquote, awareness, which can be important, uh, I think action is important, right? We have to be actionable. 
in the action that we created was at my academy, we provide scholarships, right? Uh, we give people the opportunity to come in, train. We give them six months to train. Uh, and I've just asked some of my friends to do the same thing. Can you just provide two scholarships a year? While it's not 100 or 1,000 scholarships, it's two people that you may be saving, right? So if every academy did that, they don't need me to tell them to do that. They don't need the KB1 Foundation to tell them to do that. But if I can get it in their head and we can become actionable, that's two more people. But what if those two people who had problems with suicidal ideations or PTSD, and it's not just military people who have it. PTSD is not just a military problem. It is everywhere in the world. Uh, anybody, if those two people tell two of their friends, hey, jujitsu is helping me, right? It can give you something to get your mind off of whatever it is that was traumatic and give you a new focus. Those two people tell two people, tell two more people, tell two more people, tell two people, tell two more people. I can't tell you how many people come to my academy uh, uh, or who I've met through jujitsu with baggage and what saves them is having a focus. And so the action, what we do that is actionable is just, it's simple. I give them a gi, I give them six months to train. If they choose to stay, they choose to stay, that's fine. If they choose to go on to something else, that's fine too. But if every academy in the world or every academy in America could do that, uh, it would be great. So we are looking at trying to find somebody who can help us. The one thing that I want to do is create like an online application, uh, create criteria, have them nominated by either you know, a doctor, a teacher, uh, a leader, you know, a police chief. Uh, that's the next step with the KB1 Foundation. I don't want money from anybody. I've, I've said this a million times. Like when we first started, I had somebody offer me $10,000. Um, I have no desire. We don't need any money, right? And I, I do that on purpose because I think a lot of sometimes these foundations start and they, um, they start out with great ideas and then money starts pouring in and then ideas change. Um, so I don't want any money. I just think that if we can be actionable to one, two, three, four, ten, twenty 10, 20 people, then that's worth it. Yeah. yeah that's incredible, man. Now changing gears for a little bit. Sure. Um, what did you say is a one habit, a high performance habit that you practice daily has been helping you in, in the military and at home in jujitsu? What is one habit you practice daily? Preparation. Preparation. Uh, I prepare like, I believe I prepare like nobody else, whether it's for me teaching classes or me going out. I don't, I don't compete as much as I used to, but when I did compete a lot, I was always prepared. But uh, we were just talking about this today where there are days where I can teach a five to seven-year-old jiu-jitsu class, and then I teach my next age group, and then I teach a private lesson, and then I teach an adult class, and then I teach an advanced class, uh, and then some days where we teach one class, and then I teach like our uh, combat jiu-jitsu where it's, you know, we're using punching and clinching and how to use jiu-jitsu in a street application. People always ask me, how can you keep it all straight? How do you go from one class to the next class? And it's preparation. If I don't prepare, right, if I don't write out my curriculum, if I don't write out my notes for my meetings, if I'm not prepared, and it's very hard to be successful at anything without preparation. Yes, sir. And what did you say is the best advice you ever received? 
any area, just anything that pops up in your mind? Uh, when my students listen to this, they'll hear it all the time. My number one ability is availability. If I'm not available, nobody's coming to me. So you always have to be mentally available, physically available. You have to be present. Right? So if I'm not available, I'm not going to be successful. So I stole that from one of my football coaches. <laughs> right on. I like it. And what advice would you give to the younger Ricardo? Let's say when you started the firma, you start in and not that you want anything different, of course, because it's all part of the process and the journey. But if you could just give him one little tip, what could you tell him? When I started the gi company or the gym yeah, or both the either one? Yeah, the um, gi. I think probably the number one thing, um, just manage my expectations better. Not just my expectations of, of products, but my expectations of the people I surrounded myself with. And I think that all the people I surrounded myself with, the majority of them were really, really good people. But you really do have to manage your expectations. Like in a business, nobody's going to care as much about your business as you are. And so you really have to manage your expectations. You would hope that people would invest themselves into your business too, but in, when it comes down to it, it's a business and nobody's going to invest themselves more in your business than you are. That is for sure a thing. And do you have the habit of reading? Do you like reading or audiobooks it, or podcasts? What kind you know, of, I like read, <laughs> I read, uh, of course I read a lot of technical manuals because of, because of my job uh and but i do lead i read a lot of leadership uh leadership books mm -hmm. uh and a lot of them are military books a lot of different books but i um probably my favorite book that i that i've i've probably read six times which is uh uh colin powell's leadership principles have you ever read that one before? no um i think probably a lot of people in the military have but maybe not uh, people outside of the military. Of course, you know, Colin Powell was a chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Jazz staff, uh, uh, phenomenal leader. Uh, he was also Secretary of State. But um, I, I think that, like, um, he, has, he has 13 leadership principles. Uh, and if you have a second, I'll read them to you. Yes, sir. So, I, like, one of the first ones is it's not as bad as you think, right? Just remember that. Like, no matter how bad something gets, it's not as bad as you think. Like, I always tell my kids, like, when they're really upset about something and, you know, they're breathing hard and I look at them and go, it's not as bad as you think. You're still breathing, right? You know, <laughs> you're still breathing. So it's not as bad as you think. Everything will be fine in the morning. So uh, the next thing, again, things I tell my kids or I tell whomever is, get mad, then get over it. Like you've got to, you've, everything has to like fall off of your back, like water off a of duck skin, you know, or ducks tail feathers, I guess that's the way the uh, saying is it. So um, one of the things, again, this kind of goes back to what we talk about in jujitsu, uh, avoid having your ego so close to the position that when the position fails, your ego goes with it, right? You may think you have the best guard in the world, right? You may think that you have the best program in jujitsu in the world and then you find out like your guard got passed and then somebody else has a better school and now your ego is hurt well no just learn from it get better 
Right. And that's, that's like one of those things where you've, you really have to work on. Um, you've really got to work on these things. Like you can't be so tied into the, it's got to be this way. I'm the best at it. Oh my God, somebody's better than me. Don't let your ego ruin your opportunity to improve. So uh, like the next one is it can be done. Like never say it can't be done. Right. Uh, I think you talked about Brian with like setting unrealistic goals. Right. Uh, it can be done. Right? It, it may take another work. It may take another path. It can be done. Right. Um, uh, be careful what you choose. You might get it. You know, think about that. Be careful what you choose. You might get it. Like, I know guys who are like, I wish I had 500 students. And they get 500 students and they lose their hair because they don't know how to manage all of those students. Right. So, you know, of course, we'd all love 500 students, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you know, but um, um, uh, don't let adverse facts uh, stand in the way of, of a good decision. Right. So think about that. So think like, um, I don't know, something, something that, you know, you can't handle. It's been a bad day. The roof is leaking or whatever it is. You've got to make a good decision on that. Well, the roof is going to cost $50,000 to improve, to fix, but the roof is leaking. You got to get that roof fixed, right? <laughs> you got to get that roof fixed. So, you know, you got to make a decision. Yeah, man, the fact is it's costing you 50 grand to get it fixed got to get it fixed you know so um um you can't make someone else's choices and you shouldn't let somebody else make them for you how many times have you heard in business somebody tell you that this is the way that i do it and this is the way you should do it because it's been successful for me i don't believe that there's and and i don't i don't believe that there's any one formula for success in anything that you do otherwise if there was we wouldn't have all of these business gurus who tell everybody there's, I think you have to take a little bit from everybody. Like we talked about in the beginning, I've learned a lot from the amazing instructors that I've had. Some have been the best instructors. Some have been the best businessmen. Some have been just true, genuine people. And some have, you know, some have been everything, you know, how do you put it all together? Uh, Let's see. Uh, Check the small things. Don't let's, this is what I always tell my kids, you know, don't let small things become bigger things. Again, going back to jujitsu, somebody passes your guard, don't let them mount you. Ah, they passed your guard, recover your guard, sweep and jump out. No, don't, don't let small things become big things. Right? Check the small stuff. If you can check, because every day you're going to be faced, as a business person, every day you're going to be faced with a new challenge. Every single day you're going to be faced with a new challenge, whether it's a challenge from a student, or uh, a challenge from what you perceive as a competitor, um, a challenge from a, a bill that you weren't expecting to come in, every day is a new challenge. Be prepared for it. Know that that challenge is gonna come and have a plan to, to, to meet that challenge head on. I think if you can do that, you'll, you'll do just great. Um, share credit. Like, I am not the response, I am not the reason why my my businesses have been successful. I'm also not the reason why I've been successful in the military. A lot of people have taken the time to lead me, teach me, cultivate me, 
uh, to, to scold me when I do something wrong, right? There's a lot of scolding in the military. Tree line, tree line, uh, we can talk about tree line counseling at some other point in time. But uh, some of my military people know what a tree line counseling is. Uh, we're, not, we're not allowed to do those in the military anymore. But, but, uh, so, but share credit. Um, I believe that the success of my gym comes from not just from me, it comes from Heidi, it comes from my children, it comes from, it comes from all of my students who tell other students how good we are, so forth and so on, and they tell us about the vibe. Like, it's not just me. It's everyone who I've surrounded myself by. So you can't, can't just take all the credit yourself. Um, you know, remain calm. How many times are there situations where things get bad, you can get mad or you can just relax? You know, um, Herm Edwards is a, uh, is a professional football coach. He was an announcer. I think he's at like Arizona State now. He's very famous for talking about people sending text messages and Twitters and this and the other. Don't hit send. Hmm. Don't hit send, right? Don't hit send. Because when you're mad, you might say some things that you wish you never said, right? So it's I, I have a rule. We only post positive stuff. Uh, we may be mad about certain things, but we, we post positive things. Negative things need to be held, need to be dealt with behind closed doors. Positive things we want to share with the world. Um, and, and so don't hit send. Herm Edwards is, uh, I just quoted him, so he should be happy. Um, be kind. Same thing, just be kind to people. It's not that hard. Um, this is the one that I think is uh, really important. Have vision. Like, this is like one of the things that I talked to you about. Like, you've got to have vision. You've got to have vision. Like, everything is going well now. How are we going to make it better in the future? Have the vision for the future. Have the vision for what you're going to do in your business. Um, if you remain myopic, uh, that's, you're, everything is going to be myopic. You know? So you've got to have vision beyond what's in front of you. Uh, let's see what's the next thing. Um, don't take the counsel of your fears or your naysayers. Like if you're scared and you're listening to your fears, you're not going to, you're, you're never going to have that vision. Everyone who tells you, you shouldn't, I had people who told me, why would you open a jiu-jitsu school? Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to open a gi company? There's, there's a thousand other gi companies out there. You're never going to be successful. Just go buy something off of the shelf. Don't worry about other people do this. Why would you want to open a gi company when, or a jiu-jitsu gym when there's already other ones there? Why? Well, because I wanted to. I felt like I could provide a service to people, uh, and I'm proud of what we do. So, don't take the counsel of the naysayers. Um, so, this is kind of like me in a in a in a in a nutshell. Perpetual optimism is a force multiplier. Just think about that. Perpetual optimism is a force multiplier. If you are always negative always negative and my god this business is too hard i'm too tired i don't want to do this anymore i don't know why i do this you're never going to go further if your optimism tells you my goodness today i really reached that kid who's having a really bad day they they come from maybe you know a tougher background than some of the other kids and i really reached that kid and that feels good i hope i can reach that next one or you have that that client who comes in and uh they have mental reservations and they're looking for jujitsu to, to, to give them the strength that they need to walk out of their house. Like I've had people who tell me, um, I was assaulted and I don't even like leaving the house. 
but now I give them something that provides them with a little bit of confidence to walk out of the door. And that, what, what kind of a great feeling is that where you can get somebody to walk out of the door when they couldn't do it before. So that perpetual optimism is a force multiplier. It gives you the strength to continue on and push on, right? So like, like kind of a snapshot of my day, I leave my house around uh, six o'clock in the morning, 6.30 in the morning. I work all day in the Navy. Uh, I get in my car, I leave, I get to my car, I go directly to my academy. I start teaching around four o'clock and I get done teaching around 9.30, 10 o'clock, well, 9.30, 10 o'clock by the time I leave, by the time I leave the academy after we've cleaned up, after we've done our nightly stuff, I go home, uh, I, I get the kids in bed, I relax for a little bit, I go to bed, I get up and I do it all again, right? This is why I can't wait to retire from the Navy. <laughs> However, <laughs> but this is what I've done since we've opened our academy. Um, I didn't open the academy as the head instructor. I had a head instructor. Um, uh, he moved on and he's doing great things. I'm super proud of him. He's doing wonderful things in Texas. And I took over as, as the head instructor. Uh, and now I'm lucky because I have, you know, I have, um, I have three black belts who train at my academy um, uh, and, and help me with classes too. And then I have my brown belts that help me teach. So we're really lucky to have that. But every day I still have to do the business stuff too. Right? It's not just teaching classes. It's the behind the scenes stuff that keeps everything going that other people don't see. And I also think like when it comes to running a gee company or running a, uh, running a, um, uh, a martial arts academy, whether it's jujitsu or anything else, people don't realize how much you have to do behind the scenes. You got to run the website. You got to, got to focus your advertising right you've got to uh you know you've got to answer questions of parents or students um there's just a multitude of the other things you got to clean right <laughs> you got to clean every day nobody wants to come to a dirty gym uh and you always have to be focusing on proving so but those 13 principles kind of have like have not only guided me through through my business decisions but they've also guided me uh in my in my military too. So that's one of my favorite books. There's another book called It's Your Ship. Um, another really, really great book that uh, people can look at. It's like, a, it's called It's Your Ship. Um, there's another part of the, another part of the. Uh, I'll look, I'll, I'll look it up so I can put the link. Yeah, on, It's Your Ship is a, is a great, although it's written by a CEO of a, of a, of a, uh, a naval ship. It is a guide for business. It really is. It's a guide in, in teaching people how to, how to get people to buy into the mission, right? Whether it's a ship or a business, getting people to buy into the business, give them ownership, quote unquote, ownership of the mission, right? Delegating authority, helping them grow as leaders, because when we go to a ship, typically people are on the ship for like three years. We don't want somebody to come in as, as, as one rank, and leave at that same rank, or without different experiences. So we're always trying to help. He talks about, about uh, growing people taller, right? I'm not physically getting any taller than 5'8", but I may become taller as a leader, as a manager, right? So those are some of the things that each your ship is a, is a Cool. And man, I love the breakdown and appreciate it. That was really cool. And just kind of piggybacking what you said about 
having an academy and all the work, that's something I was talking even with my uh, staff as far as front desk and stuff. And every time someone signs up and I tell them like, hey, uh, good teamwork, you know, good effort, mm -hmm. because it's definitely I don't get all the credit like new student, yay for Gustavo. And I'm, it's like you said, even before someone gets to the point of send us an email or send us, send us, uh, what just call us. So now there's the marketing team. If you're doing mm -hmm. some type of advertising, Facebook mm -hmm. ads and Instagram funnel, whatever your presence online. So all that work to get, you know, the, so someone's doing that work mm -hmm. and to get someone to call. And then hopefully we call and then they're interested in doing, so schedule an appointment. So then they come in, give a tour of the facility, explain everything. They do a class. So if someone have an instructor who does a, an intro class, for example, mm -hmm. now that's, that's another person that is putting. So when you look at it, that's, uh, and, and my academy is, is basically like four different sectors that are working together for, to have one sign up. Mm -hmm. Yep, you know. Same thing we do at our academy. And I'm not going to say, like, I, I tell people, like, when you're owning a business, you're not always going to be perfect at every, every aspect of that process, right? Um, do you especially, also, especially if you're a one-man show, we're just starting, yeah. that's rough. Yeah. And, and here's what I would tell people. I, so you asked me a question earlier about the one thing that I wish that I would have done when I first started my company. I would tell you the one thing that I wish that I would have done uh, when I first started my academy was pay for a better website, right? Because that is your online, like, like that's the beginning of your online presence, right? And so having a, a website that does everything that it needs to do, and if you're a one-man show, sometimes you need to delegate that job to somebody else. So if you hired somebody full-time to run your website for you, it's going to cost you a lot of money, right? Uh, if you hire somebody full-time to manage all of your leads, it's going to cost you a lot of money. I happen to have a website that I really like that does a lot of that for me. But when you look at it, they're like, well, I could get a whatever, name your website, and it costs me $50 a month for hosting or whatever it costs you for hosting, and I manage it myself. I, I have friends who have businesses like that and they have the best intentions of managing their website and updating it all the time and making sure that it's this and that and the other thing. Um, and the websites are usually one of the first things to take a hit. And so for me, I outsourced, I outsourced that responsibility to another company. I wish I had the expertise to run that website when I first started it as best that it could. But I would guess that I probably, I missed out on a lot of leads because your website needs to be like one of the things it needs to do for you is generate leads. Uh, and the website that I had for years was not generating leads. You know, it was, it was a good website. It had a lot of information, but it wasn't a lead generator. And uh, of course, now there's much better websites that are out Absolutely. there. Absolutely. They have so many better. more effective ways to mm -hmm. attract people. Sure. Uh, and, and so, but I, I wish that I had done that. Uh, I made mistakes in advertising. I wish I would have not made, uh, print, ad, 
<laughs> print advertising in the local newspaper. That was not a good idea. That was a really bad idea. But, <laughs> but I mean, everybody's online now. You know, I, I could have reinvested that money into a better online presence. Uh, so uh, those are some of the things that you have to know where your skills are. And my skills are not in internet marketing. It's not my skill. Um, but I paid somebody who was. You know, you when you're starting a business, we all want to make that money. We all want to put that money in our pocket. Um, you have to be prepared to re. If you're if you're truly trying to build a business, not just a hobby, right? Not just a hobby. If you're trying to build a business, you have to be prepared to um, to to really not make a lot of money when it starts out. You know, um, there is a. Uh, a quote from another person in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu who said, if you want to be successful, you can be successful. But if you want to treat your business like your Jiu-Jitsu Academy like a hobby, you're going to get paid like it's a hobby. And if you want to treat it like it's a business, you get paid like it's a business. Now, for me, like I have a lot of people who say, oh, but it's Jiu-Jitsu and it's, it's about the personal touch and how much you put into it. There's nothing wrong with that still running a business, right? You got to keep the lights on. There's got to be heat. There's got to be water. You know, there's got to be electricity. Um, I still can run my business with, with heart. Just because I run a business doesn't mean that I need to be crude. And I, and I like to believe that we run our academy with heart. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're pretty proud of what we do. Yeah, and this part you mentioned about the website. And again, when you started, uh, things, of course, ha they have evolved a lot. I was mm -hmm. talking to someone not too long ago about struggling with his academy and deciding if this year he's going to close or not. It's a small school and small operation, one-man show, working on, on the side. Sure. And so he asked me for a suggestion. So I'm, I'm on the phone with him. I'm like, give me a website. So I'm looking, going over with him and he's possibly thinking, yeah, maybe I can try to bring someone in. Maybe they can put someone in like, man, Ryan, uh, do some marketing. I was like, man, uh, I don't know what exactly all the operations, how things are going, but just to start with it. I mean, it makes no sense for you to put Google ads right now. The website, it's not effective at all, right? Mm -hmm. like, at all. And for 2020, like, no way. You know, so like before you put any money out of retirement, people are going to come in, look and like, eh, you know, it's just, just not there. Mm -hmm. Plus, um, and, and, and it's not working right now. People just, just not contacting. So I was telling them like, man, um, well, there's the option of this year. This is what I do, but it's going to cost you something. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, and then for people who have schools, if you don't have any type of like software, in your not just like oh i have uh what it called i'm not even i'm not even know uh, quickbooks or whatever like no i'm talking about like an actual software that is going to really help you with your growth and communication you can text message you can have make an appointment you know if you don't have in 2020 dude that's not good yeah. you know what i mean it's not good for the growth yeah you really have to and and, and so it takes a lot of investing into into it's just like anything else you have to invest into your infrastructure 
right? You invest into your infrastructure and that will bring people into your gym. So, uh, you know, we've, we've, we've done our best. Um, I think I showed you pictures of my academy. I think it's a beautiful academy. I think people come in and the first thing they think is like, this is a jujitsu academy. You know, it's, it's, it's always clean. You know, we have a nice viewing area for parents. We have two mat spaces. You know, we, 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 um, we have all like very nice mats. It's set up very nicely. You know, we, we, we want it to look really nice. Uh, and, but it's not just about a look like, you know, we also provide really good instruction, right? And, and we try to get everybody the opportunity to learn. Uh, and, and every student is different. Like there's no cookie cutter. Right? Each student gets a little bit more, uh, a little bit more instruction. And again, like you said, like it used to be almost like a one man show for me. Like I had people who helped me, but things really changed when, you know, when, you know, when, uh, when Heidi came in and she really helped really, um, you know, um, organize some of the things that we did in the front end, all things that I knew I needed to do, but there's only so much time in the day. Yep. Like you really just can't do it. You may think you can do it all yourself, but something is going to suffer. So you have to be able to delegate and trust people to do it. Of course, in the Navy, like we have this thing, it's, you know, your, your, your navigation is, you know, you've got to trust, but verify trust, but you still, you're still the boss. You still gotta, you still gotta know what's going on. So, you know, so, you know, trust, but verifies is, is a big thing. Another military thing that translates directly into, into, into our business. So um, you can't just have your business and walk away. You know, you, you still got to know what's going on. You still have to work on building your infrastructure, building your, building your processes, which is a big deal. Uh, I should be able to walk away and be gone for a few days and everything still runs. You know, um, constantly, we're, we're still trying to do a better job of that. But, um, you know, we figure out where our downfalls are and then get better at it. Uh, and you're not going to get better at it overnight. Like you've had your academy for how long? Well, this, I've been teaching in Arizona for 20 years, but this academy I have for eight, eight yeah. years. So, so eight years, you've been teaching for 20. Um, do you think that you still teach and manage an academy the same way you did uh, 20 years ago? Yeah, absolutely not. There's no. no way, you know. No, there's no way. You always, I, I, I can tell just by our conversations, like you're always constantly improving. Just like Bruno, he's always constantly improving. Um, but again, I mean, I haven't had a class with you. I know Bruno uh, very well. I know how much he knows you. Like he's like me. He, he runs his academy with heart, right? He runs his academy with, with heart. Like, I don't know if you remember, but the very first time that you and I met was when Bruno fought at the, at EBI. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was, that was like the EBI when, um, I believe when, um, when Gordon Ryan like kind of popped onto the scene. Yeah. But uh, we, you guys had an opportunity to meet my quote unquote nephew whose father had passed away. And he, like, he was a big fan of Bruno's too. And then he realized you were there and he's like, oh my God, it just meant two. And so, but you guys took the time to wait, you know, outside in the street and meet him. And it was, it was really nice. Um, but so you, we, we were very important. I think we're a very interesting niche um, in the business world uh, with jujitsu because it is so, um, it is an intimate martial art, 
right? You get to know these kids. Not only do you get to know your students, you get to know their mom, their dad, their sister that does ballet, their, their brother that's on the basketball team. And like, before you know it, you have this massive community. You might have, you know, a hundred students, but when you, all the people that you impact, it might be a thousand people. So true. So what are you currently excited about? What's going on with, with both the Gi company, the Academy, what's going on? Uh, I'm excited about the Gi company. Uh, are you excited about retiring this year? Yeah. I, you know what? Yeah, I, I can't, I'm, I'm, you know what? I, I tell everybody this. I have loved every moment I've served this country. Um, I've given up a lot to serve the country. My kids have given up a lot to serve the country. I've had injuries, um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for anything. I believe that uh, joining the Navy was my calling. I believe that's what I was. I, it was my community service to the country. Uh, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't change any of that for the world. I also believe that, that um, I learned a lot about myself in the military. I learned how to be a good leader. Um, I, you know, of course, a lot of that was put in, I think my, my mom never accepted. Uh, I don't think I'd be the person who I am without a very strong mother like I have, uh, and the right people around me. I'm lucky to have some amazing friends who've taken care of me, but I am excited to retire. I want to move on to the next part of my life and see the, the next chapter. Um, and we have a new 2020 kind of every year we add in kind of some new color schemes and to our geese and we have a believe it or not we have new sizes that we just added in <laughs> there's big people who need geese and there's small people who need geese so we make geese to fit everybody uh and then just for the academy you know it's a matter of um you know we're lucky right now that we get to work with um where we have the opportunity now to work very closely with somebody i've kind of been learning from and training under maybe since we came here um uh, a guy by the name of of uh, Pedro Sauer. Uh, Pedro Sauer is amazing. He's teaching me a lot of things about jujitsu that I didn't know. And so that kind of brings me back to being an instructor where my master Ricardo will always be my, my instructor He's always going to be my like, really one of my closest friends. But as an instructor, you always have to be trying to learn. Right. And now we have, like we talked about this before, you can learn from the internet. There's things you can see is really something about getting your butt on the mat being a student and uh i love i love learning uh i love learning jujitsu i love learning new things that i can do better in my business um we have some new kind of product some customer like um customer enhancement projects that we're doing in our school so that our students can track their classes even if they're not there and they can see the classes that i teach on kind of uh, even if they don't make it to class or if they want to review what was done in class. So that would be something kind of our, our student portal. Uh, we're really excited about that. I think that's really going to set us apart uh, from some of, so not even, not even set us apart from other schools um, because I, I've never thought of another school close by me or even far away from me as a competitor. I think, yes, we all teach jujitsu, but we all do things a little bit differently. And I think that, I think that jujitsu, like jujitsu should be for everybody to try at least once. Um, it may not be right for them at my school. It might be right for them at the guy down the street, or it may be the guy across town is the better school for them for whatever reason. 
but um, we all do something a little bit differently. So I've, I've never ever thought of another gym as my competitor. And I've never thought of another gi company as my competitor either. Like, and I'm actually friends with other guys who own, like most of the guys who own academies here or in other places, we're friends. Uh, and I'm friends with people who own other gi companies too. You know, I don't, I've never thought of anybody as my, as my competitor. I just try to do the best I can do with what I have. I don't even think about anybody else. Uh, so that, that really helps out a lot. Yes, sir. So uh, getting close to the end of the interview. And- it's too much fun. Let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> and for the listeners, listening for the first time, usually after the interview, I do my best to create a content to inspire and impact and improve your life in some way. Think about some of the takeaways. My brain is already uh, spinning what I'm going to talk about. Uh, some good stuff here. I love the, the leadership stuff. I love about giving back. So they're really good takeaways. So usually I mention my takeaway, but the most important thing for you, the listener, take your takeaway and hopefully, hopefully one little thing that Ricardo said, you can like, hey, I think I want to apply this. And that's the idea. Just it's like a seminar. You can get one little technique, one little concept like, oh, got it. And one page of a book. And that's the same I shoot for with the podcast. Maybe 30 seconds of what he said that made an impact on someone and someone can apply. That means that's a successful podcast. So maybe sure. Just just uh, be sure to stick around after the final thoughts. So uh, I want to thank you for your time, Ricardo. I really appreciate it, man. It's been great. Yeah, and I want to thank you not only for, for having me on, but I want to thank you for what you're doing with Jiu-Jitsu Tribe. I think it's fantastic. Uh, like I said, give back. Uh, what you'll get back is immeasurable. Um, just give back. Every, if everybody thought about doing that in the world, uh, and maybe not being, I'm not saying everybody's self-centered, but be a little less self-centered, give back, and we could, we, could, we could all change the world. So my goal when I retire from the Navy is, is to, to change the world one person at a time. So, Yes, sir. Go. Thank you so much. But so for all the listeners, stick around for my final thoughts. Oos. Let me share with you my final thoughts from the interview with Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt Ricardo Tubbs. If you're listening just to the final thoughts on Instagram at Gustavo Dantas BJJ, Ricardo is an active duty Navy Mustang officer with over 20 years of military service. He's also the owner and instructor at the Firma Training Center, as well the Firma Kimono Company. Ricardo did a great breakdown of the 13 leadership principles from Colin Paul's book, It Worked For Me. If you didn't have a chance to listen to the interview, make sure to check it out. He talked about the importance of preparation, which is the habit he practiced daily. My takeaway from the interview came when he spoke of giving back to the community which inspired me to title this episode, Do You Give to Your Community? During the interview, I mentioned that I support the nonprofit organization Charity Water, founded by Scott Harris, whom I watched speaking live once. I highly recommend his book, Thirst, one of the most interesting books that I've ever read. It's very inspiring with incredible stories. Check out www.charitywater.org to see their fantastic work. In the book, he mentions that he doesn't use the expression giving back anymore. He uses give. He says, 
just give. If you have been listening to the podcast for a while and you know a little bit about my work, you're familiar with the 501c3 nonprofit organization Jiu-Jitsu Tribe that I co-founded almost a decade ago. If you have been training Jiu-Jitsu for a while, you understand the power of this personal development tool. As a matter of fact, sports in general, it, if used properly, can shape someone's destiny and impact the rest of the participant's life. I have a soft spot for supporting athletes, especially at-risk kids and young adults of impoverished communities. Fortunately, I've never been one of those kids. My mom, who was a single mom, raised my brother and me with no child support and starting from zero, she got us to a middle-class status. When I was 14 years old, she was in a better position to pay for an extracurricular activity for us, jiu-jitsu. When I got involved with competitions, I couldn't compete anytime I wanted. She couldn't afford it. Since I was very committed to my goal, I started to pursue sponsorships to support my journey, even though I didn't have a good competition resume. I took two consistent years of no's. And finally, at the end of 1995, I scored my first sponsor, a drugstore chain in Rio. I was a purple belt getting paid a minimum wage salary to train and compete in jiu-jitsu. There are millions of families in Brazil that support their family with that kind of money, which is crazy. What is my point? Giving. Did the drugstore really benefit from sponsoring me? Eh, in my opinion, not that much. But they believed in my goal and they appreciated the fact that I was hustling to fund my dream. There are so many people during my journey who helped me giving their time, knowledge, and or money. I would never be where I'm at today in my life if family, friends, and even strangers didn't help me. And I bet you have a lot of people who have helped you in some ways as well. With that said, when I see an athlete, especially, as I mentioned, from impoverished communities, hustling, going against all the odds to make their dream come true, I do my best to give a little push to help them. I usually don't share about athletes that I support, but for the context of this message, I will. Almost three years ago, I was watching the biggest sports show in Brazil called Sports Espetacular, and they were showing a 16-year-old judo talent from an impoverished area in Teresina, Piauí, the north of Brazil. Emerson was part of a social project that ran a judo program with only a few beat-up mats, and he was still able to place a top four in the judo Brazilian nationals. By the way, judo is bigger than jiu-jitsu in Brazil. He went to school and worked washing cars to help with the income of the house. It was only a six-minute segment, but the video was so inspired that I decided to look for this kid since he was looking for sponsors to help fund an international competition that he qualified for. Using Facebook, I was able to track Emerson and I was able to call him. He mentioned how the show was recorded weeks ago and he wouldn't be able to go to the competition anymore. I asked, did anyone contact you from the show? He said, yeah, one guy gave me a pair of shoes for me to run and someone else gave me two used geese to train. I asked, what is your next challenge? He said, the regional Brazilian national trials. I need to place the top four to qualify for the event. I called him on Saturday, and he said, the registration ended yesterday, but my state federation asked the national federation to give us until Wednesday to come up with the money. However, we haven't got the money yet. I asked, what is the cost of the trip? He said, 600 reais around $150. I'm not sure about your current financial situation, but $150 is not that much money to give and support someone's dream. So I told him, I'll pay for it. He was shocked. Are you serious? I said, yep. And I'm going to help you with your mental preparation as well. 
He went to the competition and he won his division. He qualified to compete at the Brazilian Nationals and took third place. His goal was to get to the Brazilian national traveling team since the Brazilian Olympic Committee pays for the expenses of the number one of each division. Long story short, he won two more events that I supported him and put him at number two in the ranking, being qualified to compete in Germany and stay for two days to be a part of a training camp, but not with the expenses paid for it. Since he was standing out and showing up in the local media more often, a call center decided to sponsor him, so we split the cost of his Germany trip, where he did great and got a bronze medal, becoming the number one in the ranking. After that, the Olympic Committee paid for trips to Argentina, Austria, and Germany again, and I didn't have to help with anything. In October of 2018, I finally met him personally. He was part of the Brazilian national team that competed at the Junior World Championship in the Bahamas. And my wife, Carissa, and I went there to watch him compete and hang out on the island. I wish I could end the story telling you that he won and became a Junior World Champion, but that didn't happen. He lost in his first match. He got very nervous and ended up not performing his best. However, that opportunity opened more doors for his career. Let me say something to you. I'm not trying to impress you by my story of giving. It's just to convey to you that sometimes with just a little push and a little giving can impact someone's life in a way that you cannot even imagine. I have never made a post about Emerson, but I will post on the BJJ Mental Coach podcast.com a picture of him and me in the Bahamas. And I only ask him one thing. Whenever you make it, make sure you help others who are in need. To this day, I still support him and I'm a mentor for him. What about you? Do you know any hard work young athlete that needs help? Someone that you could impact somehow, giving financially or emotionally? As the late motivational speaker Zig Ziglar said, you will get all you want in life if you help enough other people get what they want. Maybe it's not supporting an athlete. It could be donating your time or money to an organization that you like its mission. If you're already giving to your community or someone Keep it up. And if you're not, it's never too late to start. The message is just give. O's. We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.